Thank you for taking that time and, and being willing to do that. And I would encourage you to continue to pray on your own and also get together and, and pray as groups for that weekend in November that God would be at the center of all that happens there. Now on to our third in the series that we're doing on wrecked, and, and we're dealing with the issue of lust this morning. Uh, a lot of people have kind of asked me over the last two weeks when they found out I was preaching on this topic, how did I get the short end of the stick out of the preaching series? But, you know, I, I don't consider it that, um, although this is a tough issue to deal with. A lot of people will kind of tend to deal with this as this is, you know, our dirty little secrets that, that we don't want anyone else to know about. But it's an issue for us if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer in what God has done for us that we need to deal with. Because this is a great area that Satan can get in and destroy our lives, wreck our lives. Some of you may be sitting here and saying, well, you know what, I, I don't have a big issue with this. How am I going to get anything out of this sermon this morning? Um, well, hopefully you will, but I want to give you two definitions of lust, and I want you to be thinking of these definitions as we go through this. The first one is the intense sexual desire. And I think that's what all of us are mostly familiar with as a definition of what lust is. The other definition that I want to give you as well is a passionate or overmastering desire or craving. A passionate or overmastering desire or craving can be considered lust as well. Lust can wreck your marriage, lust can wreck your job, your friendships, and I honestly feel eventually your life. And I really believe a lot of the other issues that we have been dealing with in this series, like gossip, like anger, and even pride coming next week, stem from this issue. That passion, that overriding, overmastering to have whatever, to see whatever, to want whatever, can cause you to gossip, can cause you to get angry, can cause you to have pride. So lust is, is a, a big issue. It's a huge issue. And you see it dealt with in many places in the Bible. And that's what we're going to deal with this morning and talk about. And I hope that you can be honest with yourself because I know that in a congregation this size, there's people dealing with this issue. Whether it's the first definition or whether it's the second definition, there are people here dealing with this issue. But yet, we feel that as we walk into our church, that this is a place where no one sins. Everyone's perfect, so we can't talk about this stuff. We can't admit it. And that is so far from the truth. Our walk with God is messy. And if we fail to admit these things, it will slowly wreck our lives. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I first would like to move to the passage that Pastor Dave read Matthew chapter out of Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to highlight verse 28 but I would like to read all of that to you again, starting at verse 27. This is Jesus talking. Again, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, where this past summer we went over the Beatitudes. This is, continues in what he was preaching there. And he says this. He says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. 
But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I'm going to stop there for a second. Here again, Jesus takes something and he says, you have heard that it was said. Basically he said, here is what your law says. Do not commit adultery. And he says, but I say. And I think you've heard us mention that a lot if you've been here over the summer, that Jesus will take things and say, you've heard this, but now I'm saying this. He's again turning things upside down for them and saying, this is, you know, you need to listen to me. I am the son of God. And yes, you've had the law, but now you need to hear this. And he changes what the Jews were used to. The Jews had taken that commandment, that thou shalt not commit adultery, and really just turned it into a theft issue. It wasn't a purity issue for them. It was basically a theft issue. And what I mean by that is basically committing adultery meant you were stealing someone else's wife. And so it had turned to them that this was just a theft issue. If you committed adultery with someone, you were stealing their wife. So it was a theft crime. And Jesus comes to them and says, you've heard it say this, but I am saying this. And he throws verse 28 at them. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he takes it and turns it back into a purity issue. This is about what's inside. This is about what your heart is, where your heart is, what you're putting into your heart. This isn't about just stealing someone's wife. This is about your character. This is about who you are. And he makes such a bold statement that if you are just looking at someone lustfully, and you've already gone. Strong statement. Strong, strong statement. It makes us think back. Have we ever looked at anyone in the wrong way, men or women? Can it cause you to wreck your life? It reminded me of a time, I don't know if I should share this or not, but I will. When I was in, in uh, high school, still wasn't old enough to drive, so I was riding my bike. And I was riding up our street, and there was two girls sitting on, on their porch. And I wasn't necessarily looking at them lustfully, but it was one of those things, you know, oh, they're good-looking girls. And I was looking over at them, and I ran right into the back of a parked pickup truck. So it did literally wreck my life. So it was, it was embarrassing. It was funny because I think what made it worse was I ran into the you know, truck, fell off, they were laughing, their mother comes running out, of course. Oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I do this all the time. And I just, you know, hopped back on my bike and took off. So that, you know, literal sense, what I was starting to put in my eyes, even though I hadn't really thought anything, but, you know, distraction. And I wrecked, literally. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And so Jesus is saying, this is a heart issue. This is a purity thing. This is something that you need to deal with in a radical way. And he goes on to tell them, here's how you deal with this in a radical way. And he says in verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Man, here's a radical way to deal with sin. 
I causes you to sin, get rid of it. Now, I like to use visual illustrations. No, I'm not going to gouge my eye out. And no, I have not joined a gang either. But I'm going to keep this over my one eye for the rest of the service. This is a reminder to you guys, because I think sometimes we take sin and we take it so easily and we rationalize it, and it's not a big deal. A lot of times we take it, well, yeah, I did that, but I did that because of this situation and this situation, so it makes it okay. Jesus is saying, you know what? If something is causing you to sin, gouge it out. Get rid of it. He's saying because it's better for you to come into heaven without your eyes than to have your whole body thrown into hell. And if you sin, you continue to sin, continue to sin, and you're not taking care of it, it leads to death. And he's saying, get rid of it. Do something drastic. And he goes on to say then, as well, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Joe, are you a good knot tire? Yeah? I'm going to pick on you then. All right. Will you tie my hand behind my back so I can't use it anymore? Don't make it comfortable because it's not supposed to be. Yeah, you can come around. Hopefully it'll go around my belly. Do a better job than Pastor. All right, I thought I could get out of his. Okay. So if your right hand causes you to sin, get rid of it. Jesus was saying, radical. You need to deal with sin. Lust is something that if you continue to let it dwell in your life, it is going to ruin you. It is going to destroy you. Because you're going to treat people differently around you. If you're married and you're looking at stuff on the internet, you're lusting after other women or men, it's going to put a strain on your marriage. Huge. It makes you take people and turn them into objects. Because that's all they are. And that's why Jesus was saying here, man, you need to do something radical. You need to gouge your eye out. You need to get rid of your hand. Whatever causes you to sin, get rid of it. Because I'd rather have you coming into heaven without your whole body than not being here. And if you don't deal with these things, you wreck your life. You don't deal with the issue of lust. It will wreck your life. And it's tough to deal with that issue, especially in this setting, but you need to. Because if you don't, you're never going to. The other verse that we read, that Pastor Dave read this morning, was Ephesians 5, verse 3. And it says this, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. 
this verse raises the bar and says there can't even be a hint. Nothing of sexual immorality, of impurity, or greed. Another definition for greed is lust for more. I want more money. I want the latest toys. I want the latest car. That lust that I constantly need, need, need. The lust factor. And this verse is saying, you know what? There can't even be a hint of that in your life. That's tough. The bar just got raised pretty high. Not even a hint? There's no way. And I think sometimes we sit here and we read Scripture and we hear that and we say, I can't handle that. Because I'm struggling with this. Not even a hint. I'm lucky to go two or three days without struggling with lust. And now this verse is saying not even a hint. This is who I am. Get it. Make it worse. Make it where some of you are coming in here on Sunday morning praising God and then you're getting home as fast as you can because you want to get back on your computer. And that to me is hard to understand. I understand it because of how tough lust is and how addicting it can be and how strong it can be in your life. But I also can't understand it because if you're sold out for Christ, if you're truly trying to live your life for Him, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. So what are we supposed to do? Second Timothy 2.22 says this. It says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So the first thing we need to do, whatever sin it is, this morning we're dealing with lust, or maybe it's a, one of those, an overmastering desire or craving that you have, is you need to flee from it. This, ver- this verb, flee, in the Greek, is a present tense continuous action verb. Now for some of you, like, what in the world is that? Basically, it means that you need to be doing this continuously, all of the time. That it's not a one-time thing. That it's not, okay, I, I plead. Is it plead? Or is it flew? Plead? Fled. See, I got hit too many times in the head when I played soccer, too many concussions. So some things just gone. Okay, Fled. I fled from lust on Monday, so I'm good. That's not what this verse means. It means constantly, all of the time, I need to be fleeing from evil things, from evil desires, from lust. And if you can't do that, you need to be reminded again, what did Jesus say? Gouge your eye out. Cut your arm off. Maybe for some of you, you need to walk around like this for a day. Wouldn't that be fun explaining that to your coworkers? Why is your arm tied behind your back? Well, 
having a problem with this sin, what I'm doing to help me through it. Would you be willing to do that? Wow. But that's what Jesus is saying, man. You need to take radical action. And that's what this verse says. You need to flee. You need to run constantly. But I think sometimes we will do that. We'll flee. We'll run. Then it comes back. We'll flee. We'll run. We'll flee. We'll run. Fleeing and running is kind of the same thing. You guys know. Getting away from it. And it comes back. Because there needs to be a second part to that where, okay, if we're not now putting that garbage in, we need to start being putting good things in. Like what the rest of that verse says. It says, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. That there's good things that we need to pursue. That we can't just end it and say, you know what, I'm doing a really good job on this lust thing. I'm, I'm not, you know, looking at stuff anymore. I'm not getting on my computer. I'm not watching the movies I shouldn't watch. I'm not looking at people in the wrong way. Well, are you reading your Bible or doing any of that? No. Well, then you're going to probably get right back into that pattern. Because you're not putting anything good into your life, even though you've maybe gotten rid some of the bad. So there needs to be that step where you put good stuff into your life. And before we talk about that, I just want to hit on one other thing too, because lust deals a lot with your imagination. I think it has everything to do with your imagination. And I want you to understand that your imagination, I feel, is a God, is a gift from God to you. It's a good thing. But if you put junk into your imagination through your eyes, you're going to get junk out. And that's where lust starts. If you're looking at people a certain way, you see someone and you start imagining what they would look like. Maybe in a bikini, maybe with their shirt off, whatever. You're putting garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. You're putting junk in. It's going to make your imagination dirty. You're taking a gift that God has given you and you're making it dirty by what you're putting into it. And our imagination is a powerful thing. I remember a few years back reading a story of a guy, I wish I could remember his name. I tried to look it up and I couldn't find the story. Someone had given it to me where... Um, a man was was taken captured was captured in the Vietnam War, and he was in a POW camp, and he was in isolation, and but he had been an avid golfer before he was in the war, and he said every day he had one course that was his favorite back home. Every day in the little area that he was isolated in, he would imagine himself. He would actually stand, and he would imagine himself playing that golf course, all 18 holes. Swinging, he would swing, imagine the hit, where it would land, go to it, hit it again, and he would do this day after day after day after day. And he would play those 18 holes of golf. When he was released, one of the first things he did was he went to that golf course and he shot the lowest score he had ever shot the first time he played again. And they say that attributed to he was imagining himself doing this, doing it perfectly and playing that. 
That's the power of our imagination. And if we take junk, if we take dirt, if we take filth and put it into our imagination, that's what we're going to get out. And that's why lust is such a ruining thing. Why can so control your life? Because it becomes a Because now you start looking at every person in a different light. And that's why I can wreck your life. Try doing this for a day, it gets annoying. But hopefully it would remind you, you know what? I need to do something radical about the sin in my life. And what I'm continuing to allow to happen. So what do you need to think on? For me, the main verse that pops up in my head is Philippians 4.8. And basically that says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is a key verse in this whole area, this whole issue of dealing with lust, is, you know what? Everything that I look at, everything that I think about, is it noble? Is it praiseworthy? Is it pure? Is it right? That's where you need to get to. That's what you need to start putting into your mind, into your imagination, into your thought life. What you need to start taking in through your eyes is those things. But I think before that, before you can do that, it's easy to say, hey, here, take this verse, do it. But there needs to be a step. There needs to be a commitment before you can do that. And that basically is you need to, if you want to conquer lust in your life, whatever definition that may be that you have of lust. You need to be fully surrendered to God. Fully surrendered to Him. Romans 6.13 says this. It says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. As those who have been brought from death to life, offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. You need to be totally surrendered to God if you want to have any chance of conquering this issue of lust in your life. This is where you need to start. Say, well, I'm going to read this book, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Those are good things, but until you're totally surrendered to God, you're going to struggle. Why read a book Why do those things when we have the most powerful being in the universe sitting there saying, I want to help you with this. I can conquer anything. You just need to surrender yourself to me. Yes, it's going to be a struggle, but I can help you get through this. Yet we ignore that. And we say, I don't want anyone to struggle. And we even try to make ourselves believe that God doesn't know about it. It's our dirty little secret, and no one else knows. Well, God knows. 
And I can bet that if you're really, really struggling with this and it's an issue, close people around you know because you just act different. I can guarantee you that probably your wife or your husband knows, even if you're trying to keep it a secret. And God is saying, you need to totally surrender yourself to me. So how do you do that? What do you need to do? In closing, I just want to give you three things that you need to do. The first one is you need to yield your body to God. Romans 12.1 says this. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. First thing you need to do is say, God, you totally have my body, my eyes, my hands, my feet. Every part of me, my imagination is yours. I yield it to you. I'm sacrificing it to you. It's no longer mine. It's yours. That's the first step. That could be a tough thing to do. But you need to do it if you want to be totally surrendered is yielding your body to Christ. The second thing is that you need to yield your will to God. Romans 6.16 says this, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads you to death, or to obedience, which leads you to righteousness. Basically, like I said earlier, it's one way or the other. Are you going to yield your will to God, or are you going to yield your will to sin? When situations come up with lust, when you're sitting at your computer, should I or shouldn't I go to this site, are you going to be obedient to God and say, you know what, I've yielded my will to you, I'm not going to look at that stuff? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm a slave to sin. And you can't have it both ways. It doesn't work that way. You can't come here on Sunday and praise God and the rest of the week have a sin in your life that is just constant and you're not doing anything about it. God says, it's all or nothing if you want to truly follow me. And you may be saying, well, that's not fair. It's very fair. He sacrificed his son for us when we didn't deserve it. The least we can do is say, here's my life. Back to you. So you need to yield your body. You need to yield your will. And when you yield your will to him, I think so many times we get that big question, well, how do I know God's will for my life? For me, 80 to 90% of it is right here. If you want to know God's will for your life, read this. He tells you, here's what I want you to be doing. I mean, yes, there's major things that, I mean, he doesn't give you the name of your wife or your husband in here. Maybe he does. I don't know. It didn't happen, you know, for me that way. But he will guide and direct you through his scripture. But 80 to 90%, if you live out your life through this, through what he tells you by his will in here, the other things are going to fall into place. 
But you need to obey. You need to yield yourself. The third thing that you need to do is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 simply says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with spirit. You need to allow God's Holy Spirit. i got to take this off. Sorry. It does bug you. It reminds you, man, if, if you're dealing with something, just do that for a day. So My other eye was really starting to bother me. But uh, if you guys let the Holy Spirit control your life. Remember a story. This was a bunch of years back. There was a youth that started coming to youth group. Hadn't had any experience whatsoever with church, with who God was, with what the Bible was. Just, you know, straight. And after about three weeks, he came to me afterwards and said, you know what, I really want to have God in my life. From what I'm hearing, this is what's missing. And, and I need that as part of my life. And uh, so we prayed, and he started his relationship with God. And the next day, Monday night, he calls me. He says, hey, I got a question for you because I just don't understand what's going on. Because I'm sitting here looking at my Playboy magazine, and I'm feeling guilty. Because I've never felt that way before. He's like, why am I feeling guilty for looking at this? And I was able to start to explain to him, well, when you start a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts guiding you and directing you. And he's letting you know that looking at that kind of stuff is wrong. Because it's causing you to lust. It's causing you to think wrong thoughts about women and turning them into objects. And he says, oh, so I need to get rid of all this stuff. Yeah. He's like, okay. And it was just neat to watch him over the next few weeks. Because all of a sudden the Holy Spirit was starting to be a part of his life and he was allowing the Holy Spirit to control him and to guide him. And there was just things he would call me every couple of days. Hey, you know, I'm feeling guilty about this. Um, Is that, should I be? You know, kind of question. Yes, you should be. And it, it was neat just to see his openness, his honesty. But you could really see this was how the Holy Spirit was working. And that's what we need to allow is to allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. Because the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. He's going to convict you. There's going to be times where you're starting to look at someone the wrong way, lustfully. And you're going to start, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. Now, are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to control your life there? Are you going to say, ah, You need to allow that control. So you need to yield your body to God. You need to yield your will to God. And you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you want to truly have your life surrendered to God. Now it's up to you guys. And this is the tough part. Because I'm going to challenge you guys. I challenge the first service. And I'm going to challenge you guys. This is an issue we don't like to deal with openly, publicly, up front. But we are this morning. Because I feel like it needs to. Some of you, you need the chance to say, you know what? I need to stop this now, here, today, this morning. And as we sing our last song, I'm going to come forward. Say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want this out of my life. I want to start fleeing from it. And I want to start pursuing righteousness and love and peace.
that's a tough thing to do. Especially with the issue of lust, because we think when we walk down these aisles, and this is a sad thing because sometimes it happens, and I want to encourage you guys to preach a little mini-sermon here for a second, to not let it happen. Sometimes we think, when I'm going to deal with an issue like this, everyone in here is taking down my name and saying, oh, that person's dealing with lust. He's a horrible person. Well, that in itself, if you're doing that, you need to be down front. That's a whole other issue. You have no right to judge anyone who comes down here saying, God, I want to surrender my life for these reasons. And I want to encourage you. It takes guts. It takes courage. But this is an issue that can so wreck your life, can wreck your marriage, can wreck your job, wreck your friendships, that you need to deal with it. You need to stop saying, this is a secret. I, I just, I'm going to deal with it on my own. It doesn't work that way. And for some of you, once you deal with it, once you surrender your life to God, I just want to encourage you, take a few more steps. One, find someone you can be accountable to. Because yes, God's going to see you through, but it's also nice to have someone else who's maybe been there, done that, or is going through it, but you can be accountable to each other, and that means being honest with each other. That means asking each other tough questions. And you can answer honestly, so you can be praying for each other and encouraging each other. And I wanted this morning, just with this whole lust issue, deal directly with the issue of pornography. For some of you, maybe that's just where, man, it's just an addiction. And I know this isn't a cure-all, but something that can help. I don't know if you've heard of the site. I encourage you to go to a site. It's called triplexchurch.com. It's a great site on helping people with addictions to pornography. And they have a simple program on there called Triple X Watch that you download on your computer, and then you pick who you want to send emails to that every two weeks someone will get an email saying, here's where this person has been on their computer. I do it because I preach it to the youth, and I figured if I preach it, it needs to be a part of my life. So my wife, every two weeks, gets an email saying, here's the sites that Keith has been on. And if she has any questions, she knows where to find me. You know, but it's something that is such a safeguard because, man, my wife's getting an email. It just helps you because it's a tough thing to get over. God will help you if you surrender your life, but sometimes we need to work through those issues. This morning can be a start for some of you. As we sing this last song, as we stand, after I pray, maybe you need to come forward whatever definition of lust that you're dealing with in your life, and say, you know what, God, I need to totally surrender my body, my will, and Holy Spirit to control my life. I want to start new. I'm tired of living secret. I'm tired of this stressing my marriage relationship. I'm tired of just being stressed about it. I'm tired of treating other people as objects. I just want to surrender. I encourage you, if you need to do that, no one here is going to think any less of you because this is God working. This is between you and God.
To me, it's exciting when I see people come forward, not because I can say, hey, I had five people come forward, but it's because I know God's working. And I know people are saying, you know what, I want to get my life right. I don't care what the issue is, but it's, okay, God is dealing with people and that's awesome. So as we sing this song, if you feel the need to come forward and say, God, I surrender to you, please do so. Don't wait. Because especially with lust, the longer you wait, the more of a chance it has. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, for your scripture this morning. I thank you for your words as you just so directly said, man, if you're dealing with this sin and, and you're not taking care of it, you need to do something drastic. Gouge your eye out or cut off your hand. I pray this morning as we sing the song, if there's those here who this is just wrecking their life, that they would be willing to do something drastic and just come down. God, I want to I want you to have control. I want to start thinking on those things that are pure and right. True. Father, I just pray that this morning as we sing the song that you would be here and that you would do whatever it takes to draw each of us closer to you. We ask this in your precious name.